The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Podcast as we prepare for the spring showcase on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Okay, so they sent out the, the what it's going to be, and I'm still like, well, I don't get it. <laughs> That's a lot of details for me to go. Okay. It'll be very interesting to see. One actually takes place on Saturday at uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and if people give a crap about it. I mean, if, if it's engaging, if people enjoy it, it, I'm sure it'll last. And if it's not, my secret conspiracy theory, this is Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, and Zach Carlson, is they don't want it to be good so that next year they can say, we've just opted not to have a spring event at all. Just use the practice. Because Chris Kleiman said that. He doesn't. He's not a big fan of spring games. But I think the reality is, with the new coaching staff, they need to have this engagement with fans. They're in a season ticket push. They're trying to get their numbers up because they had fallen. And they're trying to get people. And that's why we're seeing so much social media. I think the social media thing will come back to center a little bit. But it's fun. It's fun. We'll see if the spring showcase is fun. That'll make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. We are brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. They are at the corner of Westport and Claflin. Get over there before the spring showcase. You've got important tailgating to do. It's going to be perfect fall football weather, meaning it's not going to be warm like we expected. It's going to be about, I don't know, 45, 50 degrees. If it's howling wind like it is today, Mm. it's going to be a little bit of bite in the air. But that's nothing that ingredients from the fridge wholesale liquor can't solve. They've got stuff for that. Yeah. But it's technically not. That beer garden at the game will not be a great seller. I I got news for him. I, I, look, I do a little gardening. Um, I You can't grow beer in a garden. You just can't. You, you just can't do it. I mean, it's just not possible. It's beer is not a plant. I mean, if you really want to get into the science, you absolutely grow beer in a garden. Just one ingredient at a time yeah you could have multiple but gardens you, you, there's not such thing as like a viburnum beer bush and you go out there and pick miller lights off the vine if there was i would have a lot in my yard that's true i would just have the money tree and come by your yard unless of course it was a natty light plant then that, that plant at my neighbor natty yard. light would grow like potatoes like you'd have to pull natty lights out of the dirt <laughs> It is the Powercat Podcast. The first segment is brought to you by Tanners. I'm overdue for a visit to Tanners. It's like going to the doctor for me. i got to get in on occasion, make sure I'm doing okay, make sure they're doing okay. Maybe I'll pop in there uh, this weekend. I am batching it for five days. Lunch? Wife's out of town for, uh, for work, so uh, I am a single dog dad for five days, and uh, I might find time for Marcus and Toby and I to go partake. Not like I did last time, okay? I'm already in a walking boot. <laughs> the GoPowerCat.com walking boot. <laughs> I think you need to say the K-State men's basketball walking boot sponsored by GoPowerCat. No, no. Uh, you know, if if you don't believe in karma, just look at my foot. <laughs> Making fun of walking boots, and now I'm in one. 
Let's get rolling here, guys. Let's not mess around. We got questions uh, from Wabash Station. Hopefully, we got answers for everyone. And of course, we are coming from the WTC Gig Powered Studios. And here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station from Zach Carlson from Wildcat Wabash. Based on, based off of how hard they're recruiting quarterbacks in this next class, how likely do you see Holcomb or Heron or both being moved to different positions long term? I don't even think it's so much about recruiting the current quarterbacks. You know, the 20, 2020s, 2021, 22, whatever. I think it's about the quarterbacks they have on the roster right now. I mean, you just take a look at it. Skyler will be here ne- ne- this year, next year. You've got Holcomb and Harum, and and you've got also Jaron Lewis. They're probably going to take a redshirt this year, yeah. So it'll be redshirt freshman next year, so it'll be here for five years total. And I don't think they have any plans to move him anywhere. So I I think they're absolutely going to move either Heron or Holcomb. I'm not sure which one. I'm not sure where. Um, but I think that one of them is going to end up going somewhere simply because you, you don't need – four quarterbacks that are capable of doing it. I mean, it's nice to have that depth, but these are all very athletic kids. These are all very talented kids, and you don't want to waste them sitting on the bench. It'll be intriguing. I I, I think they'll all stick for now. I, you, know, you look at it, you've got a, a junior. You, you never know what's going to happen. Alex Barnes proves that. You just never know when yeah. someone might declare. But if you look at from Chris Heron's standpoint or Jerron Lewis, if they redshirt, they're only going to be just like, you know, Holcomb. Then they'll be a redshirt freshman, but during Skyler's senior year. So we'll find out. The Sammy Wheeler move is fascinating. They like him. He needs to learn how to block, but he's seems important. I, I am told that if you are on the line, it is good to block. It's kind of like saying, well, we, we, we moved the dentist to surgeon, and he needs to know how to hold a knife. You know, it's like yeah. it's kind of important. It's an important part of the deal that goes with this. I would define it as crucial. From Canelio, do you guys anticipate the running back group to basically consist of James Gilbert, Harry Trotter, and Tyler Burns, and if not, maybe a no. true freshman? No, there'll be two. I think there'll yeah. be a couple true freshmen immediately in the mix. Price probably immediately in the mix for time. Burns has been dinged up. He's got a lot to prove. He he was off the team and now he's back on and now he's dinged up and um so I, I say I wouldn't immediately put him in that group. I just wouldn't immediately grant him that level of access. And Trotter is what he is. He's gonna be a role guy. I mean he's he's a walk on at Louisville, he's a walk on here and he looks the part. Uh, and I'm sure they'll find things for him to fit into, but I think they're going to lean on a freshman or two. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I think someone posted this on the boards this last week. I think a lot of people are looking at Tyler Burns and just assuming he's going to be good because of his brother. Yeah, We, we know what Morgan was. And, and I'm not saying that Tyler's not. I think Tyler's really talented. Um, but, but we haven't seen him play running back why are we just already assuming that he's going to be good at what he does and he's going to be in that mix he's he's particularly hard to assess from our outside perspective because he was fifth string there's that reality he was the fifth running back but the other four were really good um you had the two seniors and then of course alex barnes goes pro and mike mccoy suffers a career ending neck injury but you know those guys are legit so there's no shame in being behind them but how far behind them was he was he a clear fifth 
you know, from what we saw in little glimpses of him, no, he wasn't a clear fifth. He was he was pretty good too. So it, I'm telling you, if he can really settle in and erupt into the kind of player we think he might be, I'm not saying he's going to be a star. Again, he was fifth string, but he certainly will be able to contribute in an offense where they want to rotate guys through. I think we're going to see those true freshmen in the mix, not necessarily – getting a lot of snaps but I think absolutely getting to a point where it's getting snaps or whether it's just being a third string guy I'm not really sure how talented they are compared to the rest of the pack I'm not sure if they're even going to be I feel like it's probably going to be one and two and then maybe a little bit of of a a gap just because they're going to need to transition into into the new system you know college football but but I really do think that you'd probably look at I don't know maybe like a Thomas Grayson to be number three. That's just a, a guess off the top of my head. We'll see. From Wildcat Wabash, at what point will each of you guys start to get antsy if we still only have one commitment in football? I'm not worried yeah. about this. It is really early. It's really early, and this is actually the difficult time for a new staff. When you come in at the end of recruiting period, you're working off old lists, you're scrambling off of other guys you know, and you're just in complete scramble mode, but you go get a class. Now, it's all about the relationships that you can quickly build. It's all about it's all on you. You're not picking up anyone else's work and running with it. This is all about you and you're so far behind everyone else. I I think they're going to be real careful about not just throwing out a bunch of offers to guys that they may not in the end want. They're kind of swinging for the fence now, making sure these guys, if they jump on an offer, that there'll be someone they actually want. You see other schools just trying to get bodies, trying to look good. You know, it's it's early. It's really early. Though I think they're going to be absolutely fine. And I, I don't mean to compare Chris Kleiman and Bill Snyder, but this is kind of what K-State does, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> K-State always has late classes. And I, I've i never looked at a Bill Snyder class and been like, oh, well, man, if only they had gotten those commits earlier. If only they had gotten on the board earlier in the year. I, I, is it concerning? Maybe, but I don't like the word concerning because I'm not worried about, worried about it. I think people just see KU landing kids from, you know, wherever they're, Bishop Carroll, I don't know. I think they got one from there. Um, but... I think you see KU land a kid like that and you get really, you know, well, where's our commits? I, I want to be, I want to have commits coming in and, and just be patient. I, th- I think the staff knows what it's doing. I think that they know what they want and they're going to take the time necessary to go out and get what they want rather than just race or, or, or take commitments from kids that they don't necessarily think could pan out and could be a part of this recruiting class. If we get into year three, and and they're still struggling with early commitments because I don't think they want to wait. I mean, they just they just don't have the relationships built now. But if in year three of this coaching staff, if they're still struggling for early commitments, that's more of a warning sign than now. They're just they're just getting started. From Yo Mama, in your opinion, what do you think has been the greatest surprise for Chris Kleiman, good and bad? Ooh. I think of the overall professionalism of the media. I think yeah, that probably is it. That the media really probably stands out to him. Oh, on the roster? Oh. <laughs> you know, I don't think anything surprised him. I really don't. No, I think they. I think he's meaning what has surprised us about Chris Kleiman. Is that what he said? Uh, 
What do you think has been the biggest surprise for Chris Kleiman, good and bad? At four, oh, I okay. guess, our yeah. opinion. Yeah. I apologize. Like, no, I think Fitz is right. It's for Chris. Right. What has Chris Kleiman's biggest surprise been, both yeah. good yeah. and bad? I think they're probably surprised at how deep the receivers are because they probably read the headlines that we didn't have any receivers, which we all questioned. <laughs> and it turns out they were wrong. I, yeah, adding Hunter Ryzen, you know, really helps. But – They've got receivers. They've got plenty of receivers. If if they can look at moving um, DJ Render to a different spot, which you're experimenting with him at safety, they got enough receivers. You don't move a guy. You know, you, you don't see them moving a cornerback to receiver right now. I'll say good surprise that he's probably had is uh, coming in and, and looking at the defense and going like, there's some dudes on this defense. Now, they lost a dude, unfortunately. Sucks for Justin Hughes. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, but th- they've got other guys out there. They like a lot of these guys that are that are on the field, that are on the defense. Um, you know, Wyatt Hubert. I have. <laughs> I think every single coach on the staff has said something nice about Wyatt Hubert, and that means that wide receiver coaches and tight end coaches are saying good things about a defensive end. Um, I, I think that they like what they have in Trey Sean. I mean, I could list off a bunch of guys, but. I think they got there. I think they looked at the de- or I think they thought about the defense and they said, "Okay, there's probably some some building to do." And there is. There's absolutely some building to do. That's why they went out and got a guy like Jonathan Alexander. But I I, I think that there's some players out there that they were really surprised with, really pleased with. Um, probably a negative surprise from for Chris Kleiman in his time that he's been here. I'm totally guessing here. I'm totally guessing. I'm thinking that maybe this – we watched North Dakota State football. Ground and pound, get up, get dirty. These offensive linemen were mean guys at North Dakota State, and I'm not saying they're not mean here. I feel like maybe there was more physicality with some players in North Dakota State. I yeah, I would agree that I don't think K-State's offensive line uh, was as physical as they thought they were. I think we saw that show up in, in games where they just weren't physical at all by Big 12 terms they were physical compared to everyone else that's finesse blocking for passes i guess my guess would be i think they're they're a little bit surprised at how bad the depth is not in numbers i think they were a little bit surprised in how this program has been built on the walk-on program the development program and how a lot of those players that are in that program really can't play they can't contribute i think when it's all said and done by next fall and camp opens up I think that 105-man roster, you've got 85 scholarships, but you can have 105 guys show up early for camp, and that's what a preferred walk-on is. There's 20 slots or more if you have fewer uh, guys on scholarship. That's what a preferred walk-on is. They're, they're considered part of the full team, and you can show up before school starts with that 105. Once school starts, then everyone else can show up. I think that gap in there, and maybe including some scholarship guys, but certainly those those preferred walk-on guys are going to be under a great deal of scrutiny and might lose some of those slots. You're not guaranteed you're going to stay a preferred walk-on once you're one. You could just slip to a regular walk-on. I think there could be a shake-up in that 105, and that may not be overly visible to the fan base, uh, but I, I think we're going to see some of that take place. Last question of the first half from Raceland1982. Does this staff seem more upfront about our weaknesses and how to address them, or is it just because we weren't given this kind of access before? Yes, they're more upfront. Um, I think now 
yes, it's because you haven't been given that access. I think if we had been allowed to talk to Andre Coleman, uh, Blake Siler, whatever, I think they would have been pretty open about some things. But Bill Snyder was not going to sit on in front of a podium talking to us, talking to thousands of people on Facebook Live, and for lack of a better term, badmouth a kid. Now, it wouldn't have been badmouthing. It's it's fair criticism for a coach. But, you know, if he, if he would have gone out there and said, like, our receivers aren't doing a good job of catching the ball, our linebackers aren't getting to the ball quick enough, whatever he, he wants to say. I don't think he's a he wanted to do that just because he sees it as he's calling out his players. And, and that's not what it is. Um, and so I, I do think that this staff is, is more open to it. I think that they realize you can't just pretend like everything's okay. And then you're going to have questions to answer on Saturday. If, you know, if you're sitting here raving about a player in a, a Tuesday press conference, and then you never see him play, what's all the, the raving been about? So I do think they've been more, I think it's both. Um, I, I think it's, it's, they've been more open, but yes, we do have access to, to more honest answers. There's a big gap between the previous staff and the staff. That staff. There's a huge chasm between how they approach things. You could almost argue, and I've had a former player named Marcus Watts argue that this staff's too open. They're they're just they're showing too much. That media doesn't need to be at any practice. That um, discussing injuries doesn't serve any good for the program. I I get all that, but also the reality is they need to sell the public on this staff. You know, there's. There was a, a lot of immediate pushback, a lot of scared fans that nobody can replace Bill Snyder. Uh, and they need to prove that this is going to be all right. It's going to be fun. It's going to be enjoyable. Come out and watch this team play. So I think they'll they'll pull back a little bit. We'll get a little bit less access in the fall. They're still trying to sort out what we're going to get in terms of assistant coaches. I think what we're looking at is getting coordinators on a regular basis and then assistant coaches during maybe off weeks, which would be kind of cool. Request um, basis. Yeah, yeah, request basis. If you're doing something on you know, quarterbacks, you probably want Colin Klein. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. This is going to be more access. There's going to be more openness. They're not just going to protect information to control it just because almost like a hoarder, you know, we, we know this information. We're not sharing it with anyone simply because we don't have to share anything with anyone. Um, that got a little excessive under Snyder. It got almost like a hoarder. Uh, this is my information. I'm not going to know. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. And there was things that the fans needed to do. It wasn't necessarily about telling the media this stuff. It was about telling the fans through the media maybe. Now you can sidestep them with social media. But I, I think we'll... We'll see it back up a little bit, but nowhere near what it's been. I mean, the fans deserve more than that. Maybe that worked in the early 90s when information wasn't so prevalent. You listened to a few talk shows. You got a magazine called Pyrocat Illustrated. You know, you hopped on uh, that website that was unfortunately called Super K-State. That's such a horrible name. <laughs> such a bad name. Um, and uh, you got enough information. But now people crave information. They want information at all times. They want it on social media. They sign up for, for websites. They sign up for The Athletic. They just crave information, and they crave it in small bites. You know, they, they crave it, I want, I want this and this. I don't even want a commitment of reading a, a whole article while I'm on the toilet. That's too much of a commitment now. So it's, uh, it's all out there, and uh, you need to feed the masses what they want. And I think there was some real reluctance with Bill Snyder in a social media 
era that there just wasn't enough out there from the satisfied fans. And I think we were seeing a drop off you know, for a team that always was around 500. This was not a bad program to start seeing the kind of drop off in ticket sales they had considering the success of the program, the legendary status of the coach indicates you were doing something wrong that wasn't necessarily related to being on the field. That's it. That's the, all the questions for the first half. Indeed. Indeed it is. That is the first half of the Powercat Podcast brought to you by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And that segment is brought to you by Tanners. That segment was brought to you by Tanners. And we are sitting here in the beautiful, the gorgeous, the sexy WTC Cake Powered Studios. We'll be back. The Powercat Podcast continues shortly. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Auto-correct your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now return to the Power Cat Podcast. We are back on the Power Cat Podcast, sponsored by Fritz Wholesale Liquor. We're in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. It's, it seems like every time we get close on these things, then we back up. Yeah, we got, now we got tables sitting out here. Well, in a good way, we're picky. You know, we're, we're, we're adding, we could be in the studio, but we got to add. Some lights and an outlet and things like that. Yeah, we things that you don't need, but you kind of need them. Kind of need lights. Kind of need. We have lights. We just yeah. don't have the lights you want. So well, like we're putting in, we're putting in a uh, new outlet because that, that room strangely doesn't have very many outlets. So we're putting in a new outlet so the cords don't have to go kind of across the room and they can be just down a wall. Little things like that. We're trying to do everything right. It's taking a little bit longer. I mean, we're doing it all ourselves. It's not like we got a construction company in here hammering away. We got a Toby. We got a Toby. He's like a construction company, except not. Except one man. He's exactly like having a construction company, except completely different. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, The segment is sponsored by the High Low. It's kind of like going to a pizza parlor, but it's a bar. I was in at the High Low on Friday. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, I was. Did you have some extra pizza? Yeah, I'm sitting there. And I went on, went on a run, and I was about to go off to Hayes, and I'm like, you know what? I could eat this really healthy bowl that I have in my fridge. It's got kale and oh, um, not, not actually not the vegetables bowl. and stuff. No, I'm not going to eat the bowl. That's weird. And you know, I could feel good about myself before I go. And I would not. Would you feel good about yourself if you? They're ate actually kale? delicious. I am dead no, serious. No. They Kale's they horrible. are delicious. Um, 
But I'm like, you know, I can feel good about myself before I go off to Haze and do some things for a few days that I'm not going to feel good about myself for. That's that's code for drinking. Yeah, and lots of burgers at the queue. That's that's helpful. Or, or I could just kickstart my weekend by maybe not eating something super healthy for me. So hell yeah, I did that. Mac and cheese pizza. Because it was Lent. Yeah, perfect. Did, it's did, perfect. Did you get a text from the Pope saying, well done, my son, well done. <laughs> He's the one that encouraged me to have the second boulevard. Nice. I didn't know the, the Pope was a Kansas City beer guy. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. Well, you know, if the Pope was going to drink a beer, he would drink the best beer out there. Probably. And since he can't have yingling in Kansas. <laughs> no. No. Is there good Polish beers? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't care. Vatican uh, City Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> they only have wine. They only have wine. It's, they probably have, like, uh, beer flavored like wine. But actually, they don't have a distillery. They don't have, a, you know, a brewery or anything. Uh, they just have their expert come in and change their wine to beer. <laughs> their expert. Their yeah. expert. Yeah. They, got, they got a guy in back. Yeah, they got a guy in back who That's can do this. That's a damn good slice of mac and cheese pizza. That's so good. Get it's... into the high-low, folks. Just get in there. If you're up for... Uh, the showcase, and you need a place to eat before or after, I would recommend the high-low in a heartbeat. And even if you're hanging out that night, and you're in the Ville, and it's closing time, you can still go to the high-low. High-low. It's great. High-low. Here we go. Questions from All Bass Station, sponsored by The Fridge. Round two of the PowerCat Podcast. From Canelio, do you guys feel Trey Deshaun and Joe Davies are pretty much locks to start along the interior defensive line? I have felt neither one of them. I feel like that would be dangerous to feel them. <laughs> no, I don't. Trey Deshaun is. Trey is, but. I feel like it's it's the same as last year. It's either Joe or Jordan Mitty. Uh, that's where they're at. And they're going to have to work some young guys in. Those all seniors, you get yourself into trouble real fast next season if you don't break in some young guys. Yeah, they seem. Uh, Coach Tui seems like he's really interested in uh, in Drew Wiley. He he keeps complimenting him and um, you know saying some good things about him. But I it does feel like that that other defensive tackle spot is going to be very interchangeable, like it was last year under the old staff. And I don't I think I don't think that's necessarily because you know they, they don't know. I I just feel like it's. I feel like they just don't have one guy that's stepped up and been like, I am that guy. You know, yeah. they've had a few guys say, I can be that guy at times. You know, I, I fielded a question on some uh, talk radio or a podcast, I guess it was, um, Heartland Sports Podcast earlier this weekend. And the question uh, from Pete was, are they going to still hit junior colleges like Bill Snyder did? First of all, Coach Snyder didn't do it as much in his second time around. I think that was a little overplayed. But, uh, no, I don't think the staff will hit junior colleges as much unless they have a real need. And I think D-tackle might be a spot where they go get a, a Juco guy. Maybe yeah. DN. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to go out and address some needs on the interior while uh, Coach Tua gets gets some of those Samoans running through the pipeline, which I think is their end goal. They, they want to. Uh, you know, have a lot of those Polynesian players on the interior. They they want to find Polynesian players of quality anywhere, but as we all know, on the lines is where you benefit the most because they're badasses. Just slept 40 pounds on Wyatt Hubert and put him at defensive tackle. That seems like a good use. I can get him 40 pounds. I feel like he, he could do 40 more pounds of muscle, <laughs> and then all he'd be able to do is probably play the interior of the line because he couldn't move. 
Next. From Canelio again. Uh, he's been hearing some chatter about Wayne Jones possibly breaking into the starting defensive oh, backfield absolutely. this spring. I like his size and speed, too. What do you think? Look, we liked Wayne Jones last year. Like, I think everyone liked Wayne Jones except Bill Snyder. Yeah. Honest to God. I mean, it's not a shot. I just don't think – I think he was one of those guys that did something wrong, uh, didn't tie his shoes right or wore bubble gum, you know, chewed on bubble gum in the wrong meeting or wore a ball cap for two seconds in the building. Something did something wrong, and then he couldn't play. Yeah. Everyone else said the dude can play. The new staff says this dude can play. Yeah. In fact, when they talk about safeties, they mention him before Denzel Goolsby. Almost yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to be on the field in yeah. some sort of capacity, which I, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if they're going to have a safety. I don't know if they're going to move him to corner because it sounds like they're looking for literally anything at corner right now. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be on the field. Him and Lance Robinson, it's almost like Wally knows what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Wally's been high on both of those guys for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty excited to see them in action because I think that the both of them are going to be good. I think that K-State sees something really special in both of them, and, and I think the, the defensive backfield will take a step forward. Let's just take a little pause here. Guys, are, are you hot? Are you guys perfectly fine? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I know that. No, I'm totally okay, fine. So, I am looking at so you. So some of my meds, I get hot flashes, and I am currently having one that there's a possibility I may drown at any moment because I, I literally look like it, it looks like a Monty Python thing where they're just pouring water over me. Right I'm ready now. to spring to action in case you come it's falling crazy. down. You're like or the pilot in airplane. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, what is going on here? I'm not one to talk about sweating, but you're sweating. I mean, you guys are both wearing like pullover coats. I'm yeah. in a t-shirt and I'm sweating. <laughs> it's just, just comical. Moving on to basketball questions from Catstat88. Is there any word on Dean Wade's recovery? Catstat. Um, not. I mean, I mean, I know that he's been. Obviously, still battling it um, in terms of just just getting back there. Um, I I've told been told that he has around another week in the boot, um, give or take a week, maybe two weeks. Um, but he's he's been doing his interviews, his you know looking for an agency to represent him uh, in in professional career, whatever that ends up being. But it sounds like he's still not able to to do anything basketball wise. What. Uh... When was the approximate date of the injury? Was the when was the Oklahoma? The tenth. The tenth. Right. Ninth. Another week. Give or take. Look, yeah. guys. I, I I don't know. I haven't mentioned this. I, I fractured my fibula. It's a six week healing. This kind of sounds exactly like what he's done. Everything they're making him do be limited weight bearing on crutches in the boot is identical to what I'm doing. And and folks, I don't think people fully realize it because the staff hasn't said it. The Wade family hasn't said it. We have been told he actually broke something. He wasn't being soft. He wasn't being, uh, he wasn't overused in a game. He actually cracked a bone. And as someone who who's cracked a bone, you can, it's a non-weight bearing bone. You can play through that. It hurts. It hurts your stability, which maybe, you know, wearing the right shoes helped with. But eventually you're doing more damage. And that, I just have a feeling that's what he did. And everything seems to be lined up with identical with what my doctors are telling me, uh, except they're they're not telling Dean he's a dumbass. I think my doctors actually wrote that in the chart. Uh, Mr. Fitzgerald is a dumbass. So, but yeah, I, I I I suspect he has something broken. It wasn't being soft. It wasn't being overused. Something just went horribly wrong. And it's unfortunate because right now is about the time where 
workouts are about to start happening and combine invites are about to start going out and he's probably not going to get either of them. Yeah, he'll be fine. Someone will, someone will get him in a personal workout yeah. and see what he can do, and it's pretty special. You just got to take it to the next level, literally. From Taco Cat 3000, rank the big men on the roster according to projected playing time next year, and he wants us to include Montavious Murphy. You know what? Why are you telling us what to do? Why? Nobody tells us what to do. We... Oh, but we'll do it that way. That's fine. He pays us, so we can... Yeah. Okay, we'll do it. Rank the big men on the roster. Um, I mean, I think you got to put McCall Moline, right, at number one. Mac! Mac! Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just, it sounds like a bird. I love it. Um, are we considering Xavier Sneed a quote-unquote big no, man? I would not. Because they always put guard forward on the— I, I consider him a, a swing man. Okay. Which so we'll leave it? him off. I think Max number one. I'd probably put Austin Trice at number two. Um, number three, I think it's a toss up between Levi Stockard and Montavious Murphy. I think they're right there with each other unless, unless Levi takes a massive step forward. So then the other one's going to be four, obviously. Um, you've got James Love probably at five and Nigel Shad after that. And actually maybe Antonio Gordon's better than, than Nigel Shad. I hope so. Yeah, I'm, I I I don't mean that as an insult. They have to start recruiting at a higher level than what they're getting. They're not getting guys that can function at this level. I remain intrigued by the fact that they're continuing to recruit for this class. So who's not who's not going to be here? We already know they've lost one guy. Um, good news. Hardly knew you. Yeah, which was a ridiculous signing. That might for a coaching staff that has signed a bunch of guys that just aren't equipped to play at this level. That was probably the most glaring. That was cl- it was yeah. like what you did what and you brought him in early what, so um, yeah I mean obviously some more guys are leaving either guys that are in this recruiting class aren't making their grades or other guys are leaving but they are still incredibly active for 2019 which tells me they think they need more stuff they need more guys and I would agree with them and I like the fact that they're doing that if you've got dead weight on your roster. First of all, you got to find a way to stop getting so much dead weight on your roster because it's been consistent. There's been two or three guys every year that aren't equipped to play at this level. And when you only have 13 scholarships, a few injuries, and you're in big trouble. They got to clean that up. And if, you know, that means a couple guys got to leave, see you later. I mean, that's just the reality of the sport right now. It just really is. From AZCAT05, what position should we fill with the last basketball scholarship? Big man slash forward slash whatever Dean Wade played. <laughs> yeah. It's it's obvious what difference he made to the team. That's why you have to go out and get Pat Andre. That Exactly. The way they want to play, you got to have that Wade Andre type guy. The, the 6'8", 6'9", guy that can go outside and shoot, can stretch the power forward away from the basket, can play an emotion offense, can color, 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 cover big men. Boy, I'm telling you what. Uh, cover big men, but also, you know, play on the perimeter. Those are hard guys to find, but those are much more attainable for a program like K-State than finding the the 6'10", true post banger um, that can block shots. Those guys are at a really a high value on the recruiting trail. They can find dudes like that. Maybe Montavious Murphy has some of that in his game. And so uh, we'll, we'll see how it all pans out, but they got it. They've got to be bigger and more. They just, honestly, they need more of everything. They got to have more points, more rebounding. They just need a little bit of everything to add in. I would also say, go get a big man, but 
and this is just this is fact based fact based this is not me giving an opinion i don't trust him to go out and find a big man that is high school or juco that is an opinion but is it's a correct opinion. It's an opinion based on fact. Yeah. Uh, they have they, not done well. They have not done well. They have recruited high school big men. They have recruited JUCO big men. They have not found one that is fit. McCall to a very minimal extent. Dean Wade was obvious. That's a good one. Uh, McCall was a transfer, so I don't really put him in recruiting, although you have to finish it off with recruiting. He's not a traditional recruit. You don't spend much time evaluating him. He just shows up and you evalu- evaluate him real quick. and. Aside from that, the first guy, DJ Johnson. That's it, right? No one else comes to mind. It's it's a bad track record. They they either need to fix that or they need to just say, you know what? We're no good at this and we're going to go really small. We're going to just go, we're going to get a bunch of six six and under guys and one big and we're going to get up and down the court and play that brand of basketball because it's worked for them. From Catstat88, where does Weber rank among Big 12 coaches in terms of coaching, not wins? Um, and Catstat thinks that uh, Chris Beard and Bill Self are clearly on top, yeah. and Shaka Smart is probably the bottom. <laughs> I love that. He's like, hey, I just think Shaka Smart's the worst. <laughs> Catstat's a smart person. That's exactly what I would say, too. Um, uh, those two are definitively the top two. I mean, <laughs> I, you guys might hate Bill Self, but he's a damn good basketball yeah, coach. Yeah, I, I, I think this year was a... Some argue he did a great job. I think he did a bad job. I think he he did some things I haven't seen him do, L- letting LeGerald Vick hang around and 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 Did- piss all over the locker room was a bad move. He usually doesn't put up with that. Didn't develop a top five player. Yeah, it's crazy. They're in trouble. They don't have enough guys right now. But it's tough playing by the rules. Uh, I put Prom down at the bottom. He's, yeah, he goes he goes gets great guys, but he doesn't do much he with can't them. Coach defense worth a damn. Oh uh, uh, well, let's let's start just. Uh, geographically going through things. Jamie Dixon, I don't know what to do with him. I think he's clearly in the middle. I think he's overrated at times. I think he's appropriately rated. He's what TCU deserves. He is a TCU basketball coach. Like <laughs> that's fair. That's I think that's a fair description. He's exactly what fits there. But yeah. but how would he succeed at a place like this? Could he? Mike Boynton just gets a giant uh, incomplete grade? Yo, I'm telling you, Mike Boynton's bringing in like three, four stars next year, and I think they might be dogs. I, I He did an amazing job with what they had at the end of the they year. They won five Big 12 games. And he ran off all almost all their best players. It was it was impressive what they did, but now it's it's time. You know, he's in his third year. You better get it going. You better – these these young guys – you know, look, when, you, when you've had some problems, whether you're in a locker room or whatever – when you get to your class, you better get it going fast. You can't burn down the house and then take forever in the rebuild. I said that with Bruce Weber. I say that with Mike Boynton. That's that's true. Lon Kruger? Lon Kruger overall, I feel like, might have a better case than Bruce, but Bruce has made him a clown <laughs> since he's been it's, at K-State. crazy. It is absurd how he's dominated Lon. He coaches circles around him. I, I think, you know, the instinct is because Lon's been to Final Fours, has had such great success with a multitude of programs, to put him above Bruce. But I think when you look at the head-to-head and how Bruce has dominated, it's tough. Yeah, I think. I put Bruce above Lon Remember, Kruger. Remember, he says in terms of coaching and not wins. But when, when but, but it's not like, oh, hey, they beat Oklahoma because 
someone hit a last second shot yeah. and they got lucky. He smacked Long Kruger about six of the eight times or whatever well, the number is. Let's be honest, when you come to coaching, you can't rule out wins. Is it? I mean, that, yeah. that's a pretty quantitative thing. But I do think Bruce is. I think Bruce is a good coach. I, it depends on what you want. Uh, you know, you set aside wins, but what do you want in this evaluation? Is is recruiting part of coaching? Is uh, crafting the mental aspect part of coaching? Well, yeah. Or, is it, or are you just talking X's and O's and schematically who can prepare a team? I think that's, Bruce is actually pretty good in that in some ways and in other ways. He just has these glaring weaknesses. It's like a, a guy that can't go left. You know, yeah. you can't fix the zone offense. You know, it's just kind of weird. Um, I feel cautiously comfortable putting him at number four and giving the edge at number three to Bob Huggins. <sighs> you got Bob Huggins out there. Yeah. He's going to go yeah, in the Hall so of Fame. He's got to be number three, right? And then Bruce is four or five. Okay, what do you do with Scott Drew? Who I in the past that's, I would have put seven eight, and now you look at him and you go, "That's where I'm at on crap. Scott Drew." Is like, I think he has grown into a pretty decent coach. It's like this year Scott Drew way overachieved, but in years past he's underachieved by a mile. He's had such good teams in the past, and he sucked. That's crazy. I don't know what to do with Scott Drew. I think Scott Drew and Bruce are four and five, and I don't care where you put them. I think there's a pack in the middle. There's a clear top three, maybe a a, a clear bottom two. Boynton might be in the bottom three. I have a feeling he's not, but right now he might be. And then the other guys are in the middle. That was a long answer. It's fun. I like doing stuff like that. From Raceland1982, last question of the second half. Okay. Assuming he's not fired, how much longer does Bruce Weber keep doing this, seeing as he was born in 1956? Yeah, that's, that's it, crazy. <laughs> by yeah, the way. I, I thought that question was going... Uh, somewhere different. He is a little bit older. He's a good-looking man. He carries his years quite well. I've had someone tell me they think this this recruited class is his last cycle, and he may not even make it through this cycle. He might try to pass it off with, you know, I've heard this before. Uh, but, you know, we're going to pass it off with something. Coaches don't do that. They don't pass it off with something good. They get out when it's, you know, they want to take advantage of what they built. Right. I don't blame them for that. So I would think that four years is his, his expiration date. Maybe now, maybe but. sooner. But I think this recruiting class, if it's as good as they feel like it can be, if it's the next Brown-Stokes-Wade, we'll see. I'm a little, a little pessimistic that they're going to have a core quite like that. But he'll ride that through. I think he will. But um, the fact that we're seeing coaches looking around, assistant coaches, might be an indication that they're pulling the Joe Bob, the Michael Smith, trying to beat the posse out of town. They know that once their coach retires, then the, the – the administration won't look internally. They'll look ex- externally, and they'll be out of a job. So let's get out of town before that happens. That's when the program is in trouble. You start losing your assistant coaches and for that reason, and then you can only replace them with guys that know they're probably not coming in long term, so they've got a hole in their resume that is preventing them from being hired other places. If I was a Betty man, I would say that Bruce Weber will coach for <sighs> – Four more seasons. That's what I think. If I was a betting man, I would I would bet that Bruce Weber will coach no more than fifty. So he'll coach fewer than fifty more seasons. Yes, I think you would be absolutely right. On uh, that. But if I was a betting man, that I would take like, that bet. That was like I saw yesterday. Somebody placed a twenty thousand dollar bet to win twenty dollars that Tiger Woods won't win all four majors this year. Yeah, it's a pretty safe bet. 
He wait. He bet how much? I think it was like twenty thousand to, to win, win to win twenty or something like See, that. See, this is this is when you can clearly look at someone and say you have too much money for your intelligence level. You have too little intelligence level to serve a purpose right now. Exactly. I that feel is like fu money. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I have enough money to bet it on a stupid bet that would make less interest than me just putting it in a savings <laughs> in the account damn bank. <laughs> I think this is just uh, a theory here, and it's not a uh, it's not a commitment to to uh, murder the guy. But I think we should be able to murder the guy and take his money. We're, we're talking about the better now, not Bruce Weber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt the need to clarify yeah. that. I think we should be able to. If someone makes that kind of bet, you should be able to say, "I need all of your money, and you are still going to die." Might be a little harsh. Well. But I, I hold that same standard for someone who drives in the left lane too long. I, I really think we need a few death penalty things with, with traffic offenses, and it'll clean up the, the drivers. People will get a lot better driving if, if their lives are on the line. You're not wrong, I guess. Just take a few people out. Say, this guy perpetually drove in the left lane underneath the speed limit. He's going to die. Wow. Right here on ABC. Just take him out on a national TV event. People will clean up their crap. They will take care of their business and become better drivers. <laughs> oh, man. This is so... <laughs> That's it for the second half of the podcast. That wasn't even the overtime. That sounded like the overtime, but it wasn't. We're going to get into the overtime right after this on the PowerCat Podcast. Brought to you by Bridge Wholesale Liquor. The gang will return with more of the Power Camp Podcast. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. Back to Fitz on the Power Camp Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Here we go. The Power Camp Podcast heads down the home stretch with the overtime. That's two quick, efficient segments of podcasting. I thought we did a fine job, except for the editing we had to do in the first segment. Because I forgot something, and then we had some problems, and we got some phone things, and then... Hey, quit exposing the business. As far as they know, this is a live stream. I just want everyone to understand that while we seem to be perfect, we are not. While we put out that image of being ultimate professionals and 
the finest at our craft in the entire world? We are not. We make mistakes like any other human being. Big if true. I'm not. I'm not going to actually. I, I have no sources to actually back up that statement. I just ran with something without proper sourcing. That may none of that may be true. We might be the best ever. It happens. Speaking of the best ever, the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It is my favorite liquor store I have ever been in. I think they should sell like uh, condos. Like you know, you got that little strip mall behind them. Just take those out and put in condos that attach to the fridge. Sounds expensive. Look, man, people are talking about condos at, at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, you know, right there, or a hotel or something. Why not have the fridge Hilton right there attached to the fridge where you can go and uh, get a hotel room and be attached to the finest liquor store in all the city of Kansas? Does it have a tunnel where I can connect in? I think you should. I, I don't know what the drinking laws are, what the sales laws are, but I think certainly we could have a, yeah, a tunnel can. where you pop out at the last second and then you get to walk in the door. Yeah, you can buy beer in grocery stores now. You can do whatever you want. Don't be fooled by that, folks. You're not going to have as good a selection in your grocery store. I know it's handy. Also, I heard it's more expensive. But probably is because you know why? Because they're grocery stores. They want to stick it to you. Get into the fridge. Go. Uh, look, if you got to pick up a six-pack of Natty Light, I get it. But if you want someone that's an expert in what they sell, they can talk to you about those IPAs and the hops levels of all those beers and all that stuff. And if you want someone that really knows their wine and their liquors because they can't sell that at grocery stores, get into the fridge. It's not a place you just roll into and uh, they all stand around and just want to push the buttons on the cash register. They want to help you and they're capable of it. Go to the fridge, the corner of Westport and Claflin. They are fantastic people, an incredible selection, and they are better than any grocery store. I wish I could go in there. Oh, this would be nice. Go in there and pick up everything to grill with. Mm. Like they sell a selection of grilling stuff. Like I could go get, you know, the the, the steaks or whatever. Low pulled pork. Go get the go get the the pork butt and put it on there. That would not be good for me. And have wallet. a liquor store attached to that. That's my counter to these new uh, drinking laws or liquor sales laws in the state of Kansas. Get into the fridge. We have no sponsor for this segment, uh, but I'd just like to give out a, a more thorough shout out to, to WTC. We've got some uh, more things in the work. We're, we're kind of evolving this relationship. I'm excited with that. We'll see where that goes. May not, nothing may happen, but this setup we have uh, with their high-speed fiber, fiber this gig-powered studios we, in which we sit now is absolutely amazing. They're roaring through the business districts. If you own a business in Manhattan, you got to do it. You're crazy. You've been getting gouged for bad service and bad performance. WTC is your source for that. And, of course, go sign up at our YouTube channel for for us. Go make, it, go make Zach feel good about being yeah, loved. Yeah, subscribe. And look, folks, if you're not a subscriber, it's it's time, man. We're now doing a 30% discount on your first year of a subscription. It's a, it, it went from being kind of a sale thing to now it's just a permanent pricing. Your first year, you get 30% off your subscription. You only get one crack at it, so don't think you can sign up for 30% and then, then, then get out of it and then come back in a few months and get another 30% off. You, you get this. You get one crack at it because you're going to love it. You just got to stay on board, man. You just go sign up. You and Honestly, you get a seven-day trial. If, if, you, if it's just not for you, you got a week to figure that out. 
sign up at GoPowerCat. We need you. We are the source for Kansas State sports news. We're reliable, we're proven, and we're professional. Uh, and we are about to deliver some content that, honestly, not many people in the country that do this are, are doing. So get sign up for GoPowerCat.com. Just type in that word, GoPowerCat, period. Not actually the word dot and com, C-O-M. Type it out. GoPowerCat.com. Get in there. Sign up. Click the sign up button uh, and, and get it done. It's time to be a subscriber to GoParacat.com. It's the overtime. These are your questions, good, bad, and ugly. Well, that's kind of us, too. From Wabash Station, and here's Zach. From Adam K 63 how nice of it is it to see two teams in the national championship game without any questions about any NCAA violations? Good. I, I'm sorry. I don't have a whole lot. Look, I've always been... In terms of the NCAA violation thing, yes, those schools were really good with certain players because they paid them. But it's also not like Kansas would be a dumpster fire if you know they didn't if they didn't pay players. It'd be a lot more challenging for them. Yeah, uh, but I'll, I'll say this, and this has been my stance on this: they were cheating by the rule book, but the NCAA wasn't doing a damn thing about it. It's like the speed limit's thirty. That's the limit. But if you can go 38 and nobody does anything about it, you go 38. Yeah. And that's kind of the way it was. Uh, I I didn't want to see that school, if it was my school, I want them, wouldn't be you know, just handing out cash and blatantly cheating. But, you know, you had to bend the rules. If they're not going to enforce it, are you really bending the rules? Because there's the rules of the street and the rules of the book, and the rules of the street were winning out. But I do agree it was refreshing. I do agree that it was... Uh, Certainly a national championship decided by two programs that you would not put in the blue blood class, certainly not Texas Tech. Virginia has been in the conversation for a while, but, you know, they had Ralph Sampson back in the day. They have some history. Uh, they've had success and, and recent success. They just haven't taken it to this level under Coach Bennett, and now they've done that. And we found it intriguing here in the office when the ratings came in how much higher the ratings for this game were than last year's game. What, Michigan and UConn? Not, not, not UConn. Not, not UConn. Villanova. My brain just totally did that. <laughs> I had Villanova and it just said UConn. Uh, yeah, Michigan and uh, Villanova, it, much higher. These were good ratings. People are compelled by stories, not particularly being blue blood programs. This is the mistake made over and over by the networks. They they see good ratings from be it a, a great football program or a great basketball program, and they think that's just holds true. If it's a compelling story like Texas Tech or Auburn had been in there, if they find it intriguing and they enjoy the brand of sports that they're playing, they're going to watch. People like something different. They don't like the same old. And I think TV really, in some ways, the brand ESPN is ruining sports. And I'm going to grant this CBS because everyone just They've just decided we just want these. We're going to give Texas its own network. You know, just the absurdity of that. And they're finding out, oh, that doesn't sell. I mean, they do get good TV ratings, but they can't hold up their own network. So I hope it's coming back to center. This game proves it. I the, love it. The best part about Texas Tech being there was that it's it was not a number one seed. It was not a number two seed. But it wasn't an 11 seed. Right. It's still considered one of the top I, 12 teams. I understand the way the NCAA tournament works. You win the games in front of you, and if you do that, you can be a national champion. That's the, that is the formula for the tournament. 
And while Loyola Chicago was a fun team to cheer for, for some people that were, you know, and obviously not K-State fans, but for the outsider, the cheer for the Cinderella team, that's fine. I would have been sick if Loyola Chicago had pulled off and won a national championship. Or even played for it. Because they're not the best team in the country. Right. They weren't. They got hot. They won games at the right time. Texas Tech was one of the best teams in the country, without a doubt. They went through a rough stretch, and that's why they were a three seed. Right. And... For me, they were an easy pick to. I I had them in the final four. I mean, I did too. Humble I, brag. My there was uh, ironically of the top three places in our our pool, um, and uh, kudos to Terry Crossland for winning. He's got his prizes are on the way. He's gonna love it. It's gonna be the greatest prizes that anyone's ever gotten in a GoPowerCat.com pool. Thank you, bad Donald Trump. Uh, it uh, he did not have the final correct. I mean, he had Virginia winning, but didn't have the five camera rule he had. But second and third place had nailed Virginia against Texas Tech in the championship game. That's how good he did in the earlier rounds. He wow. built such a lead that he could give up the 19 points gained by Texas Tech winning in the in the semifinals. Uh, it's I think it was good. Texas Tech, for me, was an easy pick to come out of the West. I didn't like the one and two seeds. I liked Texas Tech the best of any of the three seeds. I put them in the Final Four, and uh, I was I was really surprised they didn't have more people that had put them in the Final Four, but I think that goes back to people thinking the Big 12 is all about Kansas, just Kansas and the rest of the teams, and that surely Texas Tech was in this position only because Kansas was bad this season. Uh, and Kansas fans wanted to think that. But I think this proved that wrong and proved that the Big 12 is so much more than just one school. For my like pickles, Cat, has replay gone too far in college basketball? Yeah, it's gone too far in sports. They, replay was put in to correct obvious errors, obvious things. You know, you completely missed a fumble. There was a, there was a fumble that was recovered, and you missed it. I mean, that was what happened in an Oklahoma game. Uh, years ago, they, they just didn't even see the onside kick where the ball went. And they just gave it to the wrong team. Um, it was it was meant to correct. So now they're in there parsing micro fractions of space. That was never the intent of replay. I don't know how you draw the line from getting a call right to saying, uh, you know, this was not a glaring error. That's what needs to be said. You need to fix glaring mistakes. And other than that. Quit stopping the game. There was nothing that took place on that play that needed to be reviewed. It's not like it bounced off his knee and you totally missed it. It barely grazed his fingertip, and you decided a national championship on that. I mean, because once that call was switched, the game was over. Come on, man. That's not the point of replay do we really want to take it down to that microcosm do we really want to start replaying balls and strikes in baseball oh that was a strike we better switch it i mean it's a game of of humans including the officials fix what's glaringly wrong what was obviously a bad call you know you get to what's what's considered a reception in pro football. That's where it really started to go south. Des caught it. Yeah. I mean, if if a guy goes up and his foot's out of bounds, his foot's out of bounds. But, you know, trying to decide, oh, that ball was – if you slow it down a whole bunch, you can see just a fraction of movement right there. He did not have control. Come on, man. It's gone too far. If we're going to break down the film so much to see if Texas Tech player – grazed it off of his pinky finger. Why can't we go back and look and say, well, what about the fact that he got fouled twice coming up the floor? Exactly. Why can't we review that? If you're going to evaluate a play 
under the microcosm. At that point, you should be able to say, well, he, the ball went out because he was fouled. Yeah. This is crazy. It's it, they're, it's ruining the sport. I understand they want to get every call right. But just let's play, man. Let's play and let's stop and fix what's, what's obviously wrong. From AZCATO5, if you had the Texas Tech $300,000 win-it-all ticket, would you have hedged your bet and put down X amount of money on Virginia? If so, how much? Uh, probably, if I had it, I'd probably put like 50, you know? So you're guaranteed to win a quarter million or or whatever. Yeah. What was the odds? I don't remember. Well, he was... It was like a $1,500 bet, I think? Yeah. Or was so it 1500 Yeah. For whatever the odds were to get it to three, three hundred thousand. I feel like it'd be stupid to not, not put something on both, right? You, you shouldn't go that far and then right. lose money. Like you could feel pretty confident about somebody going to win, but I felt pretty confident that Duke wasn't going to lose a single game in the tournament. Like how that one went. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you're that spot, I think at the very least you bet enough to ensure bet enough on Virginia winning straight up that you're not going to lose money. You right. make that minimum bid where you get back your initial bet. But I think you probably, if you have the capability of it, I say I'd bet 50000 Where the hell would I get 50000 uh, I Bang. wouldn't have 50000 until I won the Texas Tech bid. <laughs> so that's kind of, yeah, you go in and get, I guess you could get a loan, say, I know this is crazy, but it's guaranteed. I'm, I'm either going to get the money back and more or, you know. It's, I'll have a little bit yeah. of money and pay you back. So. I don't know. Any loan officer that gave out that loan would be fired in a second. My my loan officer would. Who's your loan officer? I'm not going to say it because oh, okay. then everyone will go to him. Okay, fair enough. But if he would get fired, he wouldn't do it, right? So he's not going to do it for anybody else. He would, do, he would do it for me. Okay. He would do it for me. Yeah, that's exactly it. You're right. He wouldn't do it for anyone else because I'm special. Oh, we know. Yeah. From Canelio, question for Fitz. Other than the 98 Nebraska game, name one game that really sticks out to you during Snyder 1.0. During Snyder 1.0. You got a lot of them to pick from. There's there's a lot of good ones, and and then there's a bad one. Uh, ironically, it was the, the only Snyder 1.0 game when I started covering the team full-time that I wasn't at. It was the Aloha Bowl. I mean, they just got their ass kicked. I thought I thought okay, the whole thing's been an illusion, you know. They went to the Copper Bowl and won. They had a decent season in '94, and then they go to the Loja Bowl and just look horrible. Hor- and I thought, oh, this the whole thing's just been pretend, you know. They're going to go back to being bad. I don't know. I'm not good at this kind of thing. I just wrote about that in my blog. I don't remember stuff like this. Uh, I feel like the '98 Big Twelve title is pretty. Yeah, easy. that that one's so traumatic. I mean, I. The Alamo Bowl, the game after that, sucked too. Like we're sitting here trying to make the argument that they're still one of the top teams in the country, and then they go lose to Purdue and some quarterback named Drew Brees, who turned out to be okay. He was fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's a fine quarterback. But they just didn't look like they cared in that game either. I don't know. In 1.0, yeah, the whole 2001 season, it just sucked. You know, I haven't told this story much publicly. My wife worked with us. Uh, at the company, you know, she's got a journalism background too. She's now in a, a development. She raises money at Middle Earth Hills Retirement Community. She's really good at that. But she worked. We started the company together out of our house, and uh, D. Scott came on not long after, and some other part-time employees. Uh, it was after the 2001 season when we decided that she needed to go find another job. We lost 10% of our magazine subscription base because they went six and six. 
I mean, that's how fickle fans are. Oh, I'm yep. just not going to renew my magazine. And of course, two, 2002, they were really good. 2003, they won a Big 12 championship and it been kind of built back up and took off again. But that, you know, that's when, so that 2001 season was kind of traumatic for the whole fan base. From I Like Pickles Cat, did you watch WrestleMania? And if so, what was your favorite fight or moment? No, wrestling's stupid. Look, I don't watch I watched wrestling when I was in college. Um, I feel like that wrestling is a is kind of a thing that you do when you're at the right age. I think if you're older and you're watching wrestling, you come on, man. But I'll say this in defense of wrestling. Um, I love it when people respond online, you know it's fake. Well, no shit. You know, yeah. yeah, it's fake. Now, we get that. We understand that. It's the great male soap opera. It really is. I, I feel like it's as real as The Bachelor or Bachelorette. I feel like a lot of that's staged. A lot of it's staged, but they end up living. I mean, they end up married and everything. So at that point, it's real. Yeah. But, but to get to the question, I did watch. I enjoyed Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. That was probably my favorite match to start the night off. I, um, whenever I do watch any of it, I'm I'm blown away by the athleticism of these these guys. Yeah, the, they are doing dangerous stunts, flying through the air, flying at each other, where people could get very injured very easily, and they're they do a masterful job of preventing that. Right, the whole fake thing. It's it's predetermined. Right. The, the ending is what is quote unquote fake, but nobody's watching it because they're like, "Oh, this is a legitimate." I, Brock Lesnar's three hundred pounds, staying on Seth Rollins. Who's gonna win that fight realistically? Yeah, I'm fascinated you know? when I hear the old time stories about you know this guy. This is how it was scripted. This is how it's supposed to end. They they kind of everything's not scripted. They got to get to there. So it's kind of like a. A dance. You don't know exactly what you're going to do the whole time, but this is how they we're going to end. Right. But then the guy that's supposed to win legitimately gets injured during the the match, uh, and how they try to get out of that and fix it. And sometimes they couldn't. They just had to have the wrong guy win and then retell a story in a different way. But yeah, it's it's the great male soap opera. It's you know I. I understand the attraction to it. I'm just not attracted yeah. to it. At the same time, though, WrestleMania, I don't know where. It was on Twitter that I saw this, but it's like the sixth biggest like sports event worldwide, and it beats the World Series as far as popularity goes. I would I would argue it's not a sports event. I would argue it's it's athletic and same as like dance, or, but there is no true competition in it. It's yeah. not yeah. a competitive it's not a sport. event. Yeah. It's not a sport. It is that you have to be athletic to do it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a sport. That's correct. Did you see all the tweets and stuff about like what was happening after? Like you couldn't get an Uber for anything less than two hundred dollars. Trains were backed up for hours. People were like paying cash, hundreds of dollars in cash, to get car rides home. Apparently, some drugged out dude was laying on yeah. train tracks. That seems and, like a bad idea. And like John Kurtz and them were there was watching it, this happen. Was it John? It was, it was not, not John. John. Okay. I don't think it was Mitch either. Good job. Well, Mitch. You got, yeah, it <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't, you know what? From a cultural standpoint, uh, I think it'd be cool to go to one of those. Just, I'm not into it at all, but just the whole, I'm fascinated by the entire staging and the. It's, it's fun to it's, go. It's grand theater. It's, it's, it's a giant play in which you don't know the ending, but they do. And how they get to there is quite entertaining. It's, I, I greatly admire their athleticism. And the sad part of professional wrestling is uh, to get as big as they, they are 
and to sustain the ongoing injuries and the physical abuse they take just from how they're even if it's staged, they're not really getting hit. They're still bouncing off things, and they have they, you, you have to do steroids to survive it, mostly to, to maintain your body. To get as big as some of those guys are, obviously they're using stuff. They try to say they're not, but there's no way they're not. And we're, we're now seeing a lot of those old generation guys dying at a very young age. John Oliver did a really good piece on last week tonight on HBO, um, the week before WrestleMania, that kind of covered a lot of the stuff, how WWE treats – they aren't employees. They're independent contractors, but they're not allowed to go work for other companies right. or promotions. Like they're exclusive to WWE. It they're really going around the law and and breaking the law, kind of the, the way they're doing it. I not agree. providing health benefits, whatever. And it's it's pretty controversial, but um, it was a really good piece. If if you want to go more into that, I guess it's hard to get millionaires to unionize. Yeah, which is what they need to do. They need to unionize and and say, hey, we as a group here, the performers, you know, it's almost like a stage union. Or the performers need to be provided more health security. We're dying, you know. And I don't care how much money you make. At the end of the day, that's a bad idea. Next question is from AZCat05. How did the GPC PowerCat? GPC podcast overtime bracket do versus your personal one. Well, I'm looking at it right here. We did not get any of the national champion teams right. We landed two Final Four teams, Texas Tech and Virginia, but we didn't take either of them to the title game. That's interesting. (laughs) So there's that. Um, I had one Final Four team in my bracket, so not great. Uh, We got seven Elite Eight teams right. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that the company didn't end up higher on the bracket pool that we did. We were like 21st or something. We did. It was pretty chalky. Yeah. We're not going to get a lot of points. We got Duke, Michigan State, Gonzaga Tech, Auburn, Kentucky, and Virginia. We had Tennessee instead of Purdue. Yeah. I'd stick by that, too. Yeah. (laughs) Would have gone to bat any day. Now, if you'd have listened to me and not taking Kansas State to the Sweet 16, we'd have made it been a little bit better. Just kidding. That's not the only one we missed. But so actually, what place did the bracket end up? Um, let me go back. Oh, crap. Where'd that go? Stall for a little bit while I pull that up. Dun, 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 <laughs> That's not. Dun, 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 Is it bad that I almost started singing the same exact tune? Well, that's the that's the stall music, right? Um, GPC staff. Come on. My God, child. What is it? Well, it's. I can only go as fast as it's going. I got a lot of things going on. The Masters is may or may not be. Oh, you're streaming the Masters on your computer. Hey, shh, quiet now. Tiger Woods has oh. a Tiger Woods has a birdie putt. He has a oh, Tiger putt Woods for birdie with a birdie putt oh, on the par five eighth. I am working. I'm, so, uh, I'm seriously like footer. it is not wanting to go for me right now. Okay, screw it. We didn't. I'll let you know. Um, we hey, finished decently hey to, high. Hey, for you to have to close that streaming video feed that you're getting. Oh my God, he missed it. Oh, for God's sake. This, I find this more annoying than wrestling talk. I'm not into golf. There we go. I got it. Um, I'll have to click full standings. You. you I know thought what? we had it. We finished 24th. That's not bad. 24th out of. 178 or something? Out of 100. Well, okay, yeah. It's probably 170. 133 is the last number that shows, but like a million people tied. For 133rd. That'd make because it a, a lot of people didn't finish their brackets. More than a million, then. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, that's not bad. 
Some bad. I, I think I, I finished in the lower half. I sucked. I always suck at these. Skills. I didn't even check. The winner had a score of 316. We had a score of 242. So, so actually, technically, we finished in 23rd because we tied. Okay. We could have. Oh, Zach tied the company. Oh, nice. Riley did not. I bet you beat me. Are you in here? Yeah, I'm in oh, there. Oh, God. You got last. You got 216. Yeah. I had 221. I suck at these things. Nice. People go, do you bet on sports? No, I suck at this. <laughs> I talk about sports, but do not follow my picks. Don't do it. I, because I, I'm exactly the kind of sucker that they want. I'm watching uh, Action on Showtime. It's fascinating, the documentary on sports betting that our friend Kelly Stewart's in. Um, and I'm exactly how Vegas builds stuff. I mean, the emotional betters. You know, like Kelly said, you don't bet on a team. You bet on the numbers. If you're betting on teams, you're going to lose. you got to bet on the numbers. What do the numbers tell you to do? And, and uh, I, I get too much emotion, too much gut instinct. Yeah. The, the people who are successful really study it and say, this is a bad number. I mean, this, I'm going to take advantage of this number. This number's off. That's what Kelly does. She's, a, she's actually a handicapper, not a gambler. She doesn't sell her picks. Like, my God, Vegas Dave. If he makes anywhere near what he says he makes off of selling his picks, it's it should be illegal. What a scam artist. Go. From Colorado Cat, what is your favorite ice cream for in the bowl or in a shake slash malt? It's different. I dude's on to something there. I'm, I I agree with this, but I'm not a big ice cream guy. So. Really? Yeah. See, I've I've tried just try to stop eating it as much as I usually like to, but I like it a lot. Um I'm not gonna lie. If I go to like a Baskin Robbins or a Brahms, now that we have a Brahms, where we're gonna have no, a Brahms, have one yet. and by the way, I'm gonna be chickens. living by that Brahms, so I'm pretty excited. Oh, that'll work out well for your diet. Yeah, no kidding. I have salads. Um, I I like to get like I would if I was going over to Baskin Robbins right now, I'd get uh, cookies and cream ice cream. Indeed. Um, so like the ice cream or the shake. Ice cream. Okay. Ice cream. Um, and for both. I would go with mint chocolate chip. Mint chocolate chip shakes are damn good. I'm not a mint guy. No. I love mint chocolate chip. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can never go wrong with just a good old chocolate something or other. I go with cookies and cream from Baskin Robbins, typically. And then for a shake, I like the, uh, my favorite shake's the Oreo shake at Witch Witch. That's kind they have of, shakes at Witch Witch. That's oh, kind of cookies and cream, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, no joke. Like, yeah, Oreo cookies and cream. I mean, it's basically the same, but that's that is the best milkshake I've ever had. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting into the cookies and cream thing. I'm I'm really old school when it comes to ice cream. Uh, I had one of the greatest descriptions of a former K State employee um, was one of the one of the former ads said, "This is the kind of guy that would go to uh, the place that sells a hundred flavors and get vanilla." <laughs> I'm that guy. That's that's my shake. Vanilla shake, just plain, fine, good. Not nothing choking off the straw. No problems here. I'm, you know, I find chocolate a little predictable. Uh, and then I, I I love chocolate chip ice cream, which is an old school thing that has kind of fallen by the wayside. It's hard to find. It used to be a very common flavor of like ice cream. Vanilla ice cream with just chocolate chips in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the chocolate chips come in cookie dough. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I that mean, just gets to be too yeah, much. For they've, me. They've, they've gotten more complex with how they're doing it, and I don't know. That's fine. 
Uh, this is the last question of overtime from KSU Cat eighty. It's a rapid fire round. Oh boy, here, here we go. go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, this is a lot of candy bars. A lot of bad candy bars. Okay. Hershey with almonds. Almond Joy, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, Butterfingers, Snickers, or Milky Way. Oh, Milky Way. Reese's. Why are you putting two? two ugh. I don't. That what our favorite of that? Yeah, yeah. It's more than. It's a bunch of them. Get, yeah, give them to me again. Hershey with almonds. No. Almond Joy. Yeah. No. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Better. Yes. Butterfingers. Yeah, it's okay. Snickers. Or Milky Way. Hell yeah, Milky no, Way. Milky Way and then Snickers and then Reese's. Okay. Yes. Broccoli, asparagus, cauliflower, carrots, <laughs> green beans, or peas? Okay, you got to Carrots. Can, you got to give us... You read it way too fast. I'm telling Sorry. Broccoli, broccoli. Asparagus. Cauliflower. Ugh. Carrots, green beans, or peas? Uh, asparagus, because when you grill asparagus, it's the greatest side in the world. It, it's need, delicious. You need a lot of help with asparagus to make it good. I'm asparagus. A, I've turned into a carrot guy. Carrots. Carrots, and then uh, behind that would be broccoli. I like broccoli. Broccoli with cheese. What? Beef. <laughs> Anything with cheese. I really like that dirt with cheese. <laughs> uh, beef, chicken, pork, or lamb? That's a good question. Beef, chicken, pork. Or lamb. Um, I'll probably go beef because it's it's best in all forms. But it's the most versatile. Tough, tough to beat some some fried or baked chicken. I'm with you on all that. I would yeah. probably go in that exact order: beef, chicken, pork, lamb. <laughs> I only had <laughs> lamb one time. It was in a euro, and it was damn good. Yeah, I. I I don't know. I'm just not into lamb at all. Last one is lettuce, kale, spinach, or arugula? 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 <laughs> just give it lettuce. Arugula is okay. It needs to be It needs to be a complimentary leaf. Kale would be my bottom there. I think kale is disgusting. I think That's kale fine. started, someone went to a Pizza Hut buffet and was like, ooh, what's the stuff laying around on top of the salad bar? And they took that and put it on their plate. I go lettuce, but uh, spinach is not bad. Spinach isn't bad. Yeah, it's not. And yeah, just if not you kale. put in spinach artichoke dip, I will do things. I feel like at some point people are just trying to see what kind of crap they can make Americans eat by making them think it's healthy. Because now we're finding out too much kale is bad for you because it's too high. And what? Something. Yeah. Like it builds up. I can't remember what it was. Potassium, magnesium, something builds up in your system if you eat too much kale. Electrolytes. I feel like if you eat too much of anything, it's bad for you. Yeah. Like if you ate all vegetables and no meat, that's not good. If you eat all meat, no vegetables, that's not good. You see Burger King's trying a, an Impossible Whopper yeah, no. with, with no meat in it? Yeah. It's Burger like a veggie patty. That sounds like, awful. Burger King, if, if you're trying to peddle non-meat products, just get out of business. I agree. Out of business. Is that it? Is that, that's, that's it. That was it? I don't know what, what our construction company here is making noise in our background. I don't know if it's picking up. I don't know what it I is. I bet it is. Okay, that's it for the Powercat Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll have another one next week after the Spring Showcase. We will do these as often as possible. We get into slower time. It's also the time when we take vacation. But we know that you're subscribers and you need content. You want stuff. And, and we'll, we'll answer your questions. If you've got the questions, if they're good questions, we will answer them on the PowerCap Podcast. Thank you to the Fridge. Thank you to Tanners. Thank you to the High Low. And, of course, this is coming to you from the WTC Gig Powered Studios. If you can get WTC in your life, your life will be better. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.